0: SECTION 24 OF THE MAKER OF MOONS AND OTHER SHORT STORIES This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. THE MAKER OF MOONS AND OTHER SHORT STORIES BY ROBERT W. CHAMBERS IN THE NAME OF THE MOST HIGH CHAPTER Three. It may have been thirst, it may have been the groans of the wounded that roused Claymore, he was lying close by the rivulet that ran from the rock spring, and he plunged hands and head into it and soaked his fill. The wound on his leg had stiffened, but to his surprise he found it neatly dressed and bandaged. Had aid arrived? Hello, he called. The deep sigh of a dying man was his only answer. He hardly dared to look around. The air was stifling with the scent of blood and powder and filthy clothing, and he rose painfully to his feet "'and tottered into the cool burrow among the rocks. "'His blanket and flask lie there, "'but before he raised the flask to his lips "'he lifted the corner of the blanket nervously. "'Underneath stood a small oblong box, "'into which was screwed an electric button. Two insulated wires entered the ground "'directly in front of the box, "'which was marked in black letters, "'Watson's Excelsior Soap. "'Claymore replaced the blanket, "'swallowed a mouthful of whiskey, "'and lay down, utterly exhausted.' It was late in the afternoon when he awoke from the pain in his leg, but somebody had bandaged it again while he slept, and he was able to move out into the entrenchments. Most of the wounded were dead, the rest were dying in silence. He did what he could for Cunningham, who joked feebly and watched Morris with quiet eyes. Morris died first, and Cunningham, hearing the death-rattle in his comrade's throat, murmured, "'Fin he lived, he bait me, but oil give him a race to the saints for his money.' "'Is Dick Morris dead now?' "'Dead,' said Claymore. "'Thin good-bye, Captain dear,' whispered Cunningham. "'At first Claymore thought he was sleeping. "'The evening fell over the hilltop, "'and the last of the wounded shivered and died, with drawn face upturned into the driving clouds. "'Claymore covered the boy's face. "'He was scarcely sixteen, "'and sat down with his back against a rock. "'The wreck of Keenan's battery rose before him "'in the twilight, stark and mute.' Silhouetted against the western horizon, lights began to sparkle along the opposite river bank, and now from the heights torches swung in semicircles signaling victory for the army of the south, death and disaster to the north. Far away over the wooded hills, dull sounds came floating on the breeze the distant rhythmic cadence of volley firing. There were fires too, faint flares of light on the horizon where Thomas was standing like a rock. On a nearer slope a house and barn were burning, lighting up the stumps and rocks in the clearing and casting strange shadows over the black woods. In the gathering twilight someone came down the cliffs at his back, treading carefully among the shell-split fragments, and Claymore saw it was the little staff officer. She did not see him until he called her. "'I want to thank you for dressing that scratch of mine,' he said, rising. "'You are very welcome,' she said. "'Is it better?' "'Yes.' and you? You saved my life, she said. But you are burnt. You must have been. No, only stifled. Are the wounded alive? I did what I could. They are dead, said Claymore. She unhooked her sabre and sat down beside him, looking off over the valley. After silence, he said, I suppose you are one of our spies. I have heard of the women spies, and I once saw Belle Boyd. How did you happen to take the place of an aide-de-camp?' "'Am I to tell all my secrets to an infantry captain?' she said, with a trace of a smile in her blue eyes. "'Oh, I suppose not,' he answered, and relapsed into silence. Presently she drew a bit of bacon and hardtack from her pouch, and quietly divided it. They both drank from the rivulet after the meal was finished. She brushed the water from her lips with a sun-tanned hand, and, looking straight at Claymore, said, "'The hill below the abatis is mine, is it not?' Now, really, said Claymore, am I to tell all my secrets to a girl spy? She stared at him for a moment, and then smiled. I know it already, she said. Oh, said Claymore, and do you know where the wires are buttoned? Wires? she exclaimed. Of course. Be thankful that poor Murphy's mines at the bridge were old-fashioned. If there had been wires there, you would not be sitting here. And you have stayed to fire the mine? She said at length. Yes, the bridges are gone, and the river is impassable. It will be days before Longstreet's men can cross. I know it, said Claymore, but when they come, I'll be here, and so will the mine. The spy dropped her clasped hands into her lap. I'll blow them to hell, said Claymore savagely, glaring at the silent dead around him. Then he begged her pardon for forgetting himself, and leaned against the rock to adjust his eyeglasses. That would be useless butchery, said the girl earnestly. "'That will do,' said Claymore, in a quiet voice. "'The girl shrank away, as though she had been struck. "'Claymore noticed it, and said, "'If you are a government spy, you are subject to army regulations. "'I would rather treat you as a woman, "'but I cannot while you wear that uniform or hold a commission. "'How, in heaven's name, did you come to enter the service? "'You can't be eighteen. "'You are of gentle breeding.' "'I am a spy,' she exclaimed." and thank God I hate the enemies of my country. Amen, said Claymore, wondering at her fierce outburst. Do you not hate the Confederates? she demanded. No, he answered gravely. But I hate the rebellion. But you must hate your enemies. I do. I don't. It makes me sick to see them go down. Splendid fellows. Americans and to think that such troops might have stood shoulder to shoulder with our own under the same flag against the world. Aye, against ten worlds. I hate the rebels? By heaven, no. Think of Thomas and Grant and Lee and Jackson leading a united army against those thieving French in Mexico. Think of Sherman and Sheridan and Johnston and Stuart facing the fat-brained treachery of England. I tell you I respect the rebels. Look at that heap of dead. Look at those smashed guns. Look at me, the defeated commander, crouching in this slaughter pen, waiting to spring a mine, and die. The men who reduced me to this have my respect as soldiers, and my love and admiration as Americans. But if I could blow them all to the four winds by one touch of an electric button, I'd do it, and bless the chance. The girl trembled at his fervor, that is a strange creed, she murmured. Creed? The union, in the name of God. That's my creed. End of section 24